Hey, welcome to another episode of Being Frank Now. I'm your host, Frank, and I'm by myself today doing a, um, the Sunday with Stallings. You know how we do it. Um, pretty interested to take. Got, um, we're on Zoom right now. First time running Zoom, but we have Zoom up. And, of course, Stallings is already here. Stallings, can you hear me, sir? Yes, sir, I'm here. Good deal. Yeah, Stallings, how's everything going today, brother? It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good, man. Like, uh, didn't sleep much with all the, the fireworks going off until 3 o'clock in the morning. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good, man. So, how about you? How's, how's it over there in the AZ? Everything's all good. Hot, 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 man. You know, um, having a one-year-old, she went to bed, man, about 6 o'clock last night. We've been doing this thing of working out and stuff, and um, I've been getting the... Um, Taking her to the track and work out and come home and be easy on the furniture. You know how old school pops used to do it. So, yeah, that's how we doing, man. How the kids doing, man? They enjoy the fireworks last night? Hey, well, they're with their mom right now. I'll get them later on tonight. Uh, but, no, I've, I've talked to them, man. They were out of town. That's uh, out there in Utah, you know, seeing their grandfather. So, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so they, you know, they, they're doing good, though. They uh, definitely... Um, Wanting, wanting to get over here because I told him I'm taking fishing. So, oh, you gonna go fishing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're gonna get this show going, then get it out the way. So, start go spend time with his kids. Hey, we got a special guest today, too, on the Ben Frank Now show. Once again, like I said, I'm Frank, and we're with um, Mr. Stallings on the Sunday with Stallings. You can follow us on Instagram, IG, or what do young kids call it? The gram at Ben underscore Frank underscore now. Hit us up on email at Ben Frank now 911 at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and follow us on the Facebook and make sure you hit that like button at Ben Frank now. Also, when you go to iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, subscribe. It's free. I know some of y'all cheap y'all some of y'all cheap out there don't want to pay for nothing. Trust me, everything's free. I don't blame you. But yeah, we got a special guest today. Um, you might heard him on the show a couple of days ago, Mr. Gregory McMullen. Greg, are you there, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I can hear you, big bro. All right, how you doing, LeBron? I mean, Greg, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's still the greatest ever, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, oh, man, I'm glad to have you guys here. Um, you know, it's, it's it's good to talk to brothers right now, you know what I'm saying? When I mean by brothers, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, you know what I'm saying, or Asian or brown, it just especially talking to you guys because we have so much of similar similarities on like football, athletics. Um, our growing up might have been different, but our vision, our goal was the same. You know, we're both family men, believing in God and believing Christ, and just believing doing right things in life, man. So we appreciate you on the show, and hope everything's going well on your end, brother. Oh, most certainly, and thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yeah, and um, go ahead and give everybody a little um background about yourself, brother. Uh, well, long and short of it, I'm from Akron, Ohio. Uh, like Frank said, like, you know, people pursue their athletic career, their academic career. And I was fortunate to get a scholarship to the University of Nebraska, Lincoln. I uh, came out here, graduated, played four years. I think I had a pretty good career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also the biggest thing he pointed to was being a, a family man. You know, I had a, had a kid right after college and had two more after that and became career oriented. And uh, I've always been in corrections, law enforcement, and um, I've always had a knack for working with people, you know, and now I'm at a point in my life where I'm working with youth and trying to give back to the community the best I can. So um, 
I'm just ready to dive right into this podcast and talk about a lot of stuff that somebody may want to hear. So there you go. Yes. Um, have you heard any um Sundays with Stallings? Because Stallings bring a very good insight about life, man. I mean, his stuff is very therapeutic. Sometimes hell, I sit back and just want him keep talking. It's like therapy for me, brother. You know. So have you ever heard of some of his shows though? Oh, actually, I'm I'm about to listen to all the shows. Uh, we oh, spoke so about you, this. So Somebody, you're so you're on my show. You haven't listened to nothing yet, huh? So you just sit here. Uh, 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 <laughs> actually, actually, while you talking, wait, while you talking crap, I heard some of your shows. I didn't hear Sundays with Stalin. You got to see. Look at you not listening. <laughs> see that, Brian? That's why I can't stand Frank, man. Always just ugh. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's always been that way, man. It's always been that way. <laughs> hey, but you know, honestly, if I don't do it, though, I mean, I ain't care about you, blood. It's all always out of love, man. You know what I'm saying? That's just most how, certainly that's how I am. But let's go ahead and dive into it, though, man. Um, Brian. Um, so just to piggyback off was um we talked about on the last show. Um, anything you want to add to it, or anything you want to bring up? Uh, I mean. No, I mean, I, honestly, like, you know, because last week we talked about marriage and, yes. uh, you know, and the thin line between, you know, love and hate and all that. And, you know, and I just, uh, you know, when, when you think, when you think, you know, bigger picture of like how everything goes with, with marriages and, you know, how that, you know, affects a family and then how the family affects our society. Um, you know, you look at where we are now as a society, I think, you know, there's some, there's some, some uh, connections there to where if, if there's broken families, you have a broken society. And so, yes, yes, indeed. But, I mean, I mean, again, like, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I've got some really good feedback from a lot of people, um, you know, close, you know, close family members and friends, you know, who's like, didn't know yeah. As we're having these conversations, you're like, I didn't know that. That's that's crazy. I didn't know you looked at that. I didn't know you had to do all that. Oh, wow. You know, so okay. you know, and that kind of gives like, you know, other people some hope. Like you, you know, man. hey, if he went through something, then you know, I, I, I might and I'm going through something right now. Maybe I can, you know, find my way out of this as well. So Yes, yes, indeed, 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 man. Yeah, um, if you didn't hear last week's episode, it was a pretty good episode. We were talking about um a thin line between love and hate about marriages. It was it was a very good topic, very good, um very good things to talk about. Hey Greg, um in your situation right now, how's everything going with you relationship wise and um uh, what are you trying to get at in life and uh, where are you at as a man as just basically yeah, just as a man right now, where you feel that you are at and that you need to get better at? Um <laughs> Uh, I think the hardest part when we're talking about relationships and especially the biggest commitment a person could have is marriage is you have to do the work before you even think about that step. You know, a lot of people rush into it based off of a feeling. Some people rush into it with the idea of, oh, my God, she looks this way and that's what I'm about to focus on or yeah. or the money aspect of I got a lot of money. So but the question that you really need to ask is. If all that was the opposite, could you still be there? (laughs) You know, so so me being the young 26 that I am, you know, that's the question that's posed to me every day, you know, with the relationships that I have, whether it's with my kids, mom, with friends, with even, you know, with with family, you know. So a lot of it for me is just a matter of I sit back and I observe a lot that other people go through and I see what good what's good and what's not. 
But for the sad part is, I'm not trying to sound negative. A lot of it don't ever seem as glorious as we make it to seem. Yep. (laughs) So, so I'm at the point now where it's like, (laughs) you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's so funny because that's some of the things that Brian was hitting on last week. It's very interesting. I mean, it's weird that you haven't heard the episode yet, but you're kind of hitting on points that he spoke about last week, and I find that very interesting. That's what, like, I'm excited about this episode right here because everybody has seemed like they have the same kind of uh, mind frame and understanding. So this is going to be a pretty good one right here, man. I really appreciate your um, insight on that. So how do you feel, though, as a man from your life experiences that have helped you to become the person you are right now, like the father and, the, um, you know, what what can you take from your earlier childhood to now to to basically say, hey, you know what? I went through that. It made me a better person. What what trial tribulation that you went through? Are you talking, are you talking to Greg? Are yeah, you? Greg. I want to say, yeah, is yeah, it yeah, Greg yeah, or? Yeah. yeah, Greg. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, See, I think personally, one thing that I know I am, I'm a hardworking man, you know, and I, I attribute a lot of that to my mother. Um, you know, it's such a sad, but I was part of that statistic of being a single parent home, you know? So for me personally, a lot of it was just gravitating towards what she did to make her be the woman that she is, but also what she did enough of to make me the better man that I am today. So, I mean, the one thing I look at is for real, just hard work, you know, that's, that's what shapes me from my past and made me who I am is just hard work, being honest being straightforward and being able to, you know, adapt, I guess, I guess adaptability is a big one, being able to adapt and change with the environment because Ohio to Nebraska is night and day. <laughs> you know, the the people that I dealt with back in Ohio is much different than the people I dealt with back out here in Nebraska. So, I mean, it's so much, I can go, I, this whole 45 minutes can be just talked about, <laughs> about, about just my my grow, my growing up and, and what shaped me to be the man I am today, you know, but I think those are some of the most important ones is being able to love without bias, you know, giving people a chance, being able to face adversity and be able to conquer it instead of running away from it. And is that something that you like, is that, yeah, there you go. Conquer instead of running away from it. I know it's like in today's day and age, you see a lot of people just giving up, you know, just giving up. And not only in relationships, I'm just talking about in life in general, from sports, when things get hard, get tough. It's like we live in an environment right now that, you know, when things get hard, what do they do? Oh, I'm done. I quit. I tr- we just, I mean, we transfer. We'll just do this. They just want to get up and pick up and leave. Have you noticed that also? Greg? I didn't hear that last part. My connection, like, it's hard for me to hear. Okay, yeah, no problem, no problem. Yeah, what I was asking was, have you noticed that in, like, in your work environment or just been around the community that you notice that kids, especially this younger generation, are easily to get, give up on situations? Yes, yes. That's that's what makes me mad half the time, even looking at my own children, but also with the youth. I mean, even like I referee sometimes sports basketball, I referee and kids are so quick to get angry and get technical and get kicked out and yelling at their parents and all this. And I'm just like, this. first off, it's just a game. And I understand being competitive. We all play, you know, college sports, even some pro sports. But at that level, it's not just a game because that is it's a whole different ball for, ballpark. But when you look at it on the scale of 
this is a game that's it's a pickup game. It ain't no hundred dollar reward. It's not a five thousand dollar contract at the end of it. It's merely a game that it don't go on your resume as look. When look back at sixth grade, he lost this. Oh, but it's not the time where you explode and have a tantrum. And it's like, wow, that kid's 12, 13, 14. He's yelling at his mom. He don't know how to be a team player. Disrespectful, lack of what is going on with this generation. And I always used to joke, it's something in the water. <laughs> I think all of us say it's something in the water. These kids, in my opinion, have no drive, lack discipline. They lack the, the, the focus. And I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them fact, a lot of them lack that focus and drive to be as great as they probably could simply because their mind is focused on Fortnite. Their mind is focused on, I just want to stay in the house and, and not do anything and have no responsibilities or focused on simply just, you know what? I don't want to do this because it's just simply too hard. So, so Greg, <laughs> what, what would you say, what would you say that we're, the root of that like where's that coming from like uh you know because that me you know you know like i know you ever heard the my other podcast but or but uh, episodes but you know i came from a two-parent household and you know and this and this the structure of how my my family and how i was raised it was just kind of like you don't give up that ain't mm-hmm. what we do like you you keep pushing through so in my in my eyes from my perspective like that's how it always is you know and then i was just, you know, as you said, like, you know, you got kids now that will quickly give up on stuff and they'll find a way, an easy way out, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to have the ability to have some type of, uh, you know, uh, fortitude or, or uh, be able to uh, persevere through adversity. It, it just ain't there for a lot of kids. And I, and I was going to ask you, what do you think, where do you think that's come from? Uh. And see, and, and I like that about, that's why I love this conversation because you grew up with both your parents and you have both dynamics of what people say is a loving household, whatever that looks like for whoever it may be. But yet I grew up in a single parent home and somehow people always ask me, how did I make it? Mm. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things where, Greg, you only have a mom, your dad was never around, you know, you were heavily influenced with drugs, gangs, and blah, blah, blah. How did you make it out of Akron, Ohio, without drinking, smoking, or giving up on life and becoming a statistic? And the, mm. and the, one, thing I, and the one thing I tell people is I had the willpower and in, 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 in the choice to do right. I never drank, never smoked, never popped nobody's pill. I ain't never beat up on a woman. I ain't never did none of that. And I did it with a single parent home. So, I think we all created different. We all have wired structures that allow us to make the choices we have, you know. And I think for me personally, I like friends. I have alcoholics in my family. My father's an alcoholic. I I promised myself I would never get drunk, never drink, never ain't got time for it, you know. But that was one thing I personally chose, and I think I'm actually strong will, you know. My mother's strong will. And I, and I learned that from her, you know, I don't take crap from nobody, you know? And the one thing my wonderful coach Bo always used to say is don't take a back seat to nobody. Gotcha. Oh, wow. So would you, so would you say that you are, you know, with, with, you know, your upbringing, would you say, and, and being able to make it out, would you say you're an exception or would you say you're the rule? Meaning that, um, like, like if someone, like if, if you if you had like you know a hundred kids that grew up you know in a similar environment as you did, would you say majority of them would make it out like you did, or would you say that a lot of them would fall into those those traps 
that you brought up. I think a lot of them fall into the traps. You know, some of my, my friends, I love them to death, but they still inaccurate. And all, and all I ask for as a man, and this is just how I view it, I don't ask anyone to be like me. I just ask people, if you're going to be a man and call yourself a man, do man things. Yeah. If you got kids, take care of your kids. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean take care of them by saying, oh, I'll pay my child support. Yeah. No, be with them. Pick him up. Go on daddy dates and dances. Go take your son out for lunch and talk, talk to, to him and be able to express this idea that you can express yourself without having to be tough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm six foot five, three, almost 350 pounds. I can beat up on a lot of people because that's what I grew up fighting. <laughs> that's, that's what I did. But I don't need to have to fight to get my point across. I don't have to fight to assert that I'm a man and I'm dominant. I don't have to, you know, go out there and carry a whatever with me to show that, look, I, I, I'm a dude, I'm a man, look what I got on my, that don't make me no man, you know? I, I think if a lot of people, you know, look within themselves, they'll find that, oh, wow, if I did A, B, and C, maybe I could have made it out of my predicament, but it's not too late. Because I think I'm successful, but that's just how I view it. You know, somebody else in my neighborhood they may still be in Akron, still may be doing the same thing they did for the last 10 years, but they may think they successful. <laughs> so, so, so like you, you said something that, that, uh, that, uh, caught my, caught my ear, but he was like, you don't have to do this and this and this to show that you're a man. Uh, and it was interesting cause we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we was talking about, you know, manhood and like what that looks like and, and all that. Um, what would you say? What would you say to this thought that if a boy is growing up in a household without his father, okay, he's going to be more susceptible to pick up manhood traits off of what he sees in his environment mm. or on TV or in media? Mm. Would you agree with that? Yep, I would agree. Uh, I think, and and this is not to be a dig at the mothers, but also I think men develop what either their mother are or what they're lacking from not having a father. Mm. And, and basically all that means is if your mom is in the streets, she's in, she's part of the problem, unfortunately. Mm. You know, because yes, the environment plays a huge role, but somebody got to be aiding to that. You know, and I know a lot of kids, for instance, that I, I, I mentor, I help out, I speak with in privacy, whatever, and they say, well, I was doomed from the start. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I didn't have a dad. Okay, I didn't have a dad either, but yet. Oh, he muted himself. Hey, Greg, you muted yourself, man. Hey, Greg. You muted yourself. <laughs> hey, Greg. Hello? Yeah, you muted yourself, buddy. I can't hear nothing. Yeah. Are you there? Oh, that was getting good, Greg. Are you there? Yeah, for some reason it said I was muted by the host. No, you muted yourself. I'm sitting here watching. I think you hit the thing, man. Uh, see, that's why I needed my laptop. <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, in order for a man to become a man, his mother can do the, uh, a great job, but the environment can grab a hold of you. You know, you're talking about the violence in the videos and the video games. And you're talking about the people they see in the streets, yeah. the people they go to school with. If you go to school with people, unfortunately not. And I know this, I went to public school. You go to school with people who ain't doing nothing, who acting a fool in class, who slinking drugs, who want to be gang bangers and doing everything else. If that's what's going on, 
and mom got to work 12 hour days, it's easy to fall victim to that. You know, especially if mom's not reinforcing, that's not cool. That's not good. You know, and and even to this day, you know, I still have a void of wanting my father, but I don't let that void get me to the point where I'm going to start doing the stuff he's doing for him to like me. Uh uh-uh. uh, we passed that point. I tell my dad every time, and sometimes I call him dad, sometimes I call him Greg. It depends, but I tell him, I say, I thank you, you know, for for having me. I said, but don't think you get that title just because by default, no, mm. <laughs> you know. And I and I tell him, I love you, but I don't really like you because you've never seen nothing I've become. Even after I tried to, you know, I showed him a video of me at high school. We played Minerlay Catholic, and I showed him a video. He watched one minute of it and was like, oh, you did a great job. And I started laughing. I said, Dad, uh, I'm on defense. That's our offense. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, but wow. I still love him. But I tell him, I don't like you. You know, you're not somebody I'm about to kick it with. Right. But I will call to make sure you're okay. I will make sure you're still alive. Make sure your health is progressing accordingly. But you you lost that likeness from me. Gotcha. Mm. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know. Frank, you know, growing up where we grew up, I mean, I know, you know, we were, you know, we were the exceptions in terms of like, having our dads and you know, in the picture and all that. And, yes. you know, and, and, I, and I know just even even with having, you know, father figures, my, my father and father figures, yeah. uh, a lot of times I got, you know, still sidetracked with the media and watching, you know, music videos and say like, that's what a man is. Oh, yeah. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't knocking these girls down. You ain't a man. You ain't got this. You ain't a man. You right. ain't doing that. You ain't a man. Right. And like, I'll be questioning myself sometimes, like, you know, what's up with me? Like, I need, I need to do more. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so I can only imagine like, you know, for, you know, for a kid who doesn't even have a, you know, a father figure or their father with them, you know, like, because when you grow up, I mean, again, like I said last week, you know, you know, of course, you know, mom can raise raise children by herself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anybody that's like, you know, my mama raised me, like, I, I, look, I ain't saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that there is a purpose for daddy. Yes. You know, parents, the word pair, there's a, you know, to get, you know, to, you know, there's a purpose. So, like, so, like, you know, there, you know, in my opinion, like, you know, I think when we see, again, back to what you talked about earlier about relationships. You know, if I have a distorted view of what a man is, I probably have a distorted view of women. I probably have a distorted view of, of family. I mm-hmm. probably have a distorted view of marriage. And, you know, and so we got people coming into these relationships and they don't last too long because like we're, we're we have all these distortions, gotcha. you know. So. So, yeah, like that's, that's why I commend, you know, Greg, you know, out here. You know, using his influence to, to reach out to kids. You know, what I'm saying that's why I'm doing what I what I do as a special education teacher and as a coach because there's a lot of distortion. You know that your know, weeds out there growing. We got to pick these weeds out so people start seeing clearly of what what you know things are you know supposed to look like. I got a, I got a, if I if I may I got a question for you, Stalin. Uh, so, like I said, I grew up in a single parent home and I learned a lot of stuff from my mother. But then also some of the other stuff I learned with through other people's relationships in terms of how to be a man, you know, and like you, the one thing you said was you had both your parents and you had an idea of what a relationship should look like. So my question to you is, what are some of the things you picked up on on what a man is supposed to be versus what a man is not supposed to be? Uh, biggest one, biggest one for me is to be a provider. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know taking care, make sure your family is provided for. Uh, secondly would be, be a protector. 
Um, that could be physically protecting. That could be emotionally protecting. That could, you know, that could be spiritually protecting. Um, you know, your I believe that you know a man's role. I mean, there's a reason why we're physically bigger generally than women. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we can we can go, you know, way back in the history of like, you know, who was it that did the protecting for their family? You know what I'm saying? And so I believe that those roles there, and then like, you know, like I said, the episode we did a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, men or fathers, we are we are the girls' first love. You know, you have a daughter, I have a daughter, you know, Frank has a daughter. Our daughters we are going to be the the first man that they're ever going to love. And they're going to look at us and be like, this is how a man should treat me. You know what I'm saying? Like calling me, you know, call me out. My name ain't going to happen because my daddy didn't do that to me. You know what I'm saying? She's not going to melt and fall apart because somebody said he's beautiful. Like, so what? You call me beautiful. My daddy didn't call me beautiful. Mm-hmm. I ain't fall for all those games. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like, you know, and then when it comes to, when it comes to boys, we're, we're boys, you know, men are boys, Super superhero. We're the first superhero. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They look at us like, you know, look at daddy. You know, you know, daddy done did this. Daddy can do this. Daddy, you know what I'm saying? And it might be very small, minute to us, but from a kid's perspective, when they see their dad going out here, you know what I'm saying, working and you know, and teaching, like, you know, they look back like, yo, my dad's all right. So I think so, like, you know, so the way I was raised up, that's exactly where I, how I see um see like relations going. So did we just lose him? I think we did. Oh man, that's weird. <laughs> he, got that, he got that cricket. He got that cricket. So. <laughs> oh, Greg, Greg, Greg! That was getting interesting, brother. That was getting interesting. I find it very interesting that some of his point of view, some of his points were so marrying of what you were stating last week. You know, Bob was also interesting for him. Coming from a single parent household. Oh, there he is, Greg. You back? Yep, I'm back. Okay, there you go. Yeah, how's that cricket service doing? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> this rides the LTE, baby. Don't be hating on that, but believe that I, I, I upgraded a long time ago. <laughs> but do you catch what Brian was saying? It's though? leaking up. Honestly, I catch what he was saying, and, and, and now I'm glad that he said that because this is where I can see some of my. I'm, I ain't gonna use the word failure, but what I'm lacking because as a man, I think some the stuff that he says like protection and he wasn't just physically protection it was like emotionally you know financially spirit it's like all those things that i think sometimes i miss because from that single parent home i didn't protection in terms of what i view it as i got my girls back no matter what i always had my mother's back i always looked out for her i always was there and then the financial part of it was also part of it right right Oh, is he gone again, Brian? He froze on us, didn't he? Oh, man, he needed to stop that, man. I don't, that <laughs> shit, that <laughs> service. Nebraska back road or something. Sometimes. Are you hearing us, hey, Greg? Hey, yeah, you yeah. checked out by 20 seconds, but we didn't know what you didn't hear what you said. Oh, oh, uh, now I can hear and see you now. Now I can hear y'all now, yeah. I just heard I, 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 I hear that's all I heard it got cut out. Yeah, are you there? I'm telling you, it's something about Nebraska, man. Nebraska, <laughs> they be tampering with the Wi-Fi, man, the internet, the 4G, the 4G LTE, the 5G signals is blocking everything now. They trying to force me to they trying to force me to upgrade. Uh-uh. But yeah, like I told Brian, when you got disconnected though, uh, I find 
I find it very interesting, you know, the um, the views coming from a single household to a um, a household that both parents are together. But let me ask you this question, though, for both of you guys. Would which one would a kid favor if he grew up in a household that both parents work nonstop? You know, in today's era, you got to work nonstop. You know, you, you one job is not cutting it. If you look, if you're growing up as a youngster nowadays and both your parents are working, missing your ball games, not there for your school functions, who's raising that kid? You know, is it, is it similar to a single family or is it, or is it similar to modern day families that are traditionally together? Uh, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this last week. I think, um, I think when you have, you know, when you have both parents working, a lot of times when you have raising a kid is daycare. Yeah. Um, you know, until they get until they get to a certain age, you know, when they get a little bit older, you might have, you know, a babysitter or whatever. But nonetheless, those values are not as instilled as frequently as if a parent was staying at home to raise that child. Gotcha. Um, you know, especially like, you know, when you have parents that gotta work like twelve hour shifts, you know, like, you know, I, I can I can only imagine, you know, how difficult that is to try to raise, you know, children when you work in, you know, when both parents are working long shifts like that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but like, unfortunately, like, I feel like that's kind of the norm now, you know, where, where you know, you you do have, you know, parents who are together, but they're working, you know, and they're not there for the, you know, for the kids. Uh, but then you also have, you know, single parent homes where it's just only one parent. Yeah. And she, you know, he or she has to do all the working and, you know, um, but again, like that, that kind of goes to, you know, you know, each individual person and prioritizing, like, you know, you know, what, like, why do you have to work so much? Like, maybe do we need to get downgrade your house, your home. Like, you know, do you really need to have that four bedroom house to be able to maintain that lifestyle? Can you go something small so where you don't need to have to pay that high mortgage and have to work as much or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, I think that comes down to each individual family of how they address that. Though. You're right. You're right. Um, because what got me was, I remember, um, everybody know I worked for the railroad. and um, I mean, I still work for the railroad, just for a little. But um, I remember there was one time I came home and Amelia told me uh, I felt like a single mom. I'm like, wow, what does that mean? You know? And it kind of put things in perspective because, you know, our schedules – Man, I, I'm I'm going for sixteen or twenty. No, I'm going for like twenty four to forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. I come home for ten hours. I'm back gone again for forty eight hours. And this is when our daughter at the time was one month old, two months old. I was missing out. I wasn't there. So it put a lot of things in perspective. Like made me take a step back. Like, man, is this really how life is? You know what I'm saying? Is this like what is it? But we. It's not like we were living out of our. Um, out of our range, but at the same time, we just try to provide for our child. And as a father, you know, trying to provide and protect, I thought I was doing the right thing, you know. So that was just eye opening when she mentioned that point, though. But um, yeah, Greg, how you feel about that situation, though? I mean, <laughs> and that's where you got to balance what you want in life, you know, because if you don't, like the situation that you said was two parents who work pretty much nonstop. The kid was pretty much getting neglected mentally, probably emotionally. How do you compensate for that? You got to look at, do you absolutely need whatever it is that's keeping you working as long as you're working? Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a hazard of the job. 
like for instance, you Frank, railroad workers, it's a <laughs> it's a long day. Yeah, you is. know, yes, same with same with corrections workers. Yes, sir. Sometimes we get hell for that double at the last two two. What would it be two fifteen? You like oh yeah, almost out of there. Yes, sir. Boom, you mando. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is like the way the system is set up <clears throat> because. If I'm living in Lincoln, Nebraska, and my rent's seven hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and car note is X amount, bills are X amount, child support is X amount, I gotta work to at least make twice that, right? <laughs> you know, because and this, and this, this is this, and this is coming from a man with a four year degree, you know, so he got a four year degree. It doesn't matter if you got a degree or not. This is American yeah. way. This is America's struggle right now. Like Brian, he's a teacher, you know, so. And you're in law enforcement, and I am, you know, work on the railroad. So, like, we all typically are blue collar workers. We all are, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we're not only we're not speaking down against anybody else or speaking for anybody either. We're just talking about our experiences and just saying how it is right now in this current environment of the American economy. So, yeah, like you said, go ahead. Yeah, but and that's the thing about it was it was so hard about it is like. Everything in this country, whether it's the race relations, it's the education levels, it's the health level, whatever it may be, it all revolves around the dollar. Because if I'm not there taking care of my kids, whether I'm the father or the mother, then somebody, like Brian said, somebody else is daycare. Yeah. <laughs> and, and nine times out of ten, you're talking about somebody who runs a daycare making nine, ten dollars an hour. Man, yeah. So how so you tell me are they really investing that much time exactly. when they got 15, 20 other kids? And like you said, from my own experience, and I'm not saying the daycare my kids were at, right. I didn't went there plenty of time to pick up my son or daughter. And it's like, why they face got snot all over it? Why are they over in the corner crying? And how long have they been over there? You know, that can emotionally scar a kid, too, just simply because now they may view it as when mommy and daddy drop me off at daycare, they don't love me. Right. They don't they're not there for me. They Why well, I got to You know, so I think our system itself is so broken and so removed from keeping up with the times that maybe back when I was established, maybe I did work right. <laughs> for that time period. Right. But for now, in, in the 21st century, that no. You shouldn't like like women have babies in less than three months later. They have to go back to work. If not, they risk losing their job. Right. Let's make sense of that. Right. You know, let's make sense of you're taking a 90 day old baby who can't do really nothing right. and giving them to some stranger to instill the values of what they are versus what you are. Exactly. So it makes no sense. Exactly. I want to segue over to another subject. I know we got, um, we're on time restriction right now because I know you guys have things to do. So let's go ahead and segue over to this segment. I want to ask you guys about, I get all of my information off of um, Facebook, social media. That's where I keep my thumb on the pulse. You know, I'm, I'm watching, um, how people act, how people react. And it's so crazy in today's environment we're living in how you think, who were your friends, who the teachers are that's on your page and et cetera. You see the true colors of everybody coming out in this environment of what's going on in today's world. And one thing that brought my attention, I brought the stones earlier. He didn't, he exactly said he don't want to elaborate on it yet till right now, but um, the big fuss over the Negro national anthem. I never, <laughs> I never heard. I mean, I'd be the first to tell you, I never heard of that anthem. Never ever till it was on Facebook a couple of days ago, and somebody was um, complaining about like, why the NFL going to start playing that? Have either one of you guys heard about the Negro anthem before? Mm. Yeah, no. Look, this is this is the thing. So the first time I ever like I've heard the song before. Yeah, 
I didn't know it had a title as the Negro National Anthem. And when I heard it, when I, 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 heard, I heard, like I was a kid, I heard it at a church. I can't, I can't remember what church it was, but it was in Terre Haute. And then when I got, like, when I was, like, working with the NAACP um, when I was in high school, like, that was something we sang as well. But, again, I had no idea it was called the Negro National Anthem. So, like, it wasn't until, like, maybe three years ago, like, where a friend of mine that's from from, uh, uh, the Bronx, she said that, like, that's what they did at the beginning of school is, like, they would sing it. Like the Negro National Anthem. I was like, what's the Negro National Anthem? And then, like, she started singing. I was like, oh, okay, that song. Oh, I had no idea. So, like, what, what blew my mind, though, was, like, the NFL, I don't know if this is, like, their attempt to say, like, we down for the cause because we're going to – and I was like, what's funny is that I know good and well I ain't the only one that never heard of or, or never knew that there was the Negro National Anthem. <laughs> right, right. So, like, so, like, I don't know, like, if they are – they feel like they're appeasing, like, black folks because a lot of black folks don't even know. Just think, same thing with Juneteenth. Like yeah. that blew my like, like people like all of a sudden like look Juneteenth, like all of a sudden became a thing this year. Yeah, Juneteenth yes. For years. yes. But now, now all of a sudden people like talking about you know happy Juneteenth, happy Juneteenth. What? <laughs> like you know, like stop it, like stop it. We we getting out here like you know, also we all woke and we empowered about. But so no, I, I felt like this whole like singing the national anthem you know, or the, the black national anthem you know before a game. Uh, is crazy of the NFL trying to uh, support or to bring that about. But then, yeah, I, I know what you're saying too, Frank, like, you know, the, the responses that you hear from what some, some white people on that is like, you know, that, that's, you know, like, why, why, okay, yeah, it might not be necessary, but why so much anger though? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what's about, like, like, you know, what, like if it's a league of 75% black people, why not? You know what I'm saying? Why, like, what's the problem? Exactly. You know, it's not, it's not like it's not like the, the song is not saying like, you know, to separate us from the United States. Yes. It's yeah. no it's no different than like how we, in, in an NBA game where like, you, you know, you, if, if it's Toronto, the, the Toronto Raptors are playing, they do both old Canada and yes. national. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I was like, you know, what's the problem? There's a lot of negative energy, you know, on that response. So. That's my son. My son. <laughs> I, hey, I knew nothing about the Negro National Anthem until I seen the post. You know, but 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 I, I guarantee. You, watch this though. That's the importance to talk about oppression that you take and basically brainwash the African American mind to not believe anything and or appreciate what is ours. Yep. Because like you said, you go to Canada, Toronto, they owe Canada. They'd be damned if they just play Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But let's right. put this in perspective. You're if right. you went to Canada and they said something like, oh, we're not going to play old Canada, they're going to be like, it'll be a riot. Yep. But we had, let's take the same contrary because it's mostly Canadian players. It's still African-American players on the, on Toronto. But you're in Canada. Yes. In the United States, playing a black national anthem, it's like, how dare you? Yep. This is America. Yep. Wait a minute. We get this America, but we're mostly black people in this league. But the but this is the this is the crazy part. It's all the black people that's like what? Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, think think about that. It's like, hey, we're, and I, and we don't know their motive behind why all of a sudden it's like we're gonna give them a little something, something because you know we didn't mess up in the past. We didn't make amends, whatever it may be. But now they're saying to go play the Negro out now, and you got people like, <laughs> what is it? Because we don't know. But that's part of us learning history. They don't. I tell people all the time, and it's the most classic example. For I don't care where you were at in the United States of America when they talked about Egypt, you thought it was white people. 
Yep. Oh, you didn't know it was in Africa. People talk about Egypt like it's its own white entity. No, it's in Africa, North Africa. It's right there in the continent. It ain't something that it, like when I was taught it, I'm like, dang, the white people building pyramids. And I'm thinking like, what? No, yes. it was black people. You know, so my point is, I've never heard of the, the Negro National Anthem. Maybe I've heard it somewhere in my church once upon a time, long ago. But in terms of us embracing our culture, even like with Juneteenth, they don't teach us Juneteenth in, in school. No, Hell, they don't even they they don't even like to teach Martin Luther King. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it, and and they kind of talk about Rosa Parks as if like that lady started all this drama by yeah. not following order. So I mean. I think as a as a as a people, we have to embrace whatever little thing that has happened, but also be aware of the fact that there's been so much negativity and oppression staring us right in our face, and we just learn to accept it when it got to stop. Like even something like uh, 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 Ben, Uncle Ben, or Aunt Jemima, or 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 the different Confederate statues and flags, and even something as simple as our currency. Why are we over here embracing people that is single-handedly known for the most genocide has ever happened in our own country with the Native Americans? I mean, we glorify stuff like that, but then the moment we talk about it, it's almost laughable. Like, what? So, he was a great. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, so like you know, I, I was. Uh, this is this has been a while ago, but like, I remember having a conversation with a coworker about the importance of Black history. Okay. Uh, but I was like, but it's not Black history; it's American history. Yes. But the problem is, but the problem is, is that like we almost talk, we almost think that if we talk about Rosa Parks or we talk about, you know, uh, Martin Luther or whatever, that that's black history. We keep that and we put that for black people. And it's like, well, that's the problem because you can't separate black history from history yes. because black yes. history is American history. Yes. So like, mm-hmm. so like when, so like when we have these moments of like, you know, white people upset and mad because we're going to do this national, they don't understand it. Nope. They have no idea where it came from. And the sad thing is that we don't understand. We don't understand where it comes from because we're not we're not educated on it because our school systems don't put an emphasis on it and have not for a very long time. So, like, that's another reason why within just families, I don't care if you're black or white, you have to be able to teach beyond just slavery. Like mm. like the the accomplishments of black people, you know, or, or, or the 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 the. Uh, participation in the American culture is more than just slavery. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, why people need to know about life in Africa before slave, before we were enslaved, they need to know about, of course, slavery and how the, the system was created against us. And even like, you know, uh, during uh, reconstruction and then into the Jim Crow uh, era mm. and all that stuff. Like both black and white need to understand that so that now when we get to the point we are now and we're like, you know, why are these black people so upset? Why do they want to sing their own national anthem? Like they don't get it. Like they don't get like the fact that the same, the same, those same people are those same ones that are upset about these, uh, these uh, top, you know, these uh, uh, high school kids choosing to go to HBCUs and like, why are they going to go to HBCUs and play basketball for? Why would they want, why would they not want to go to Kentucky? And it's like, they don't understand because it's always been separated. Black history was for black people and then American history was for white people and everybody else. And there was no reason, I, I believe, that for white for a lot of people in white society, and not and not and, and I don't believe that a lot of them truly not was not interested. I think it's just it was just never proposed to them as being something that was necessary for them to have to learn for themselves. So, you know, so like I, 
man. I mean, you're I, saying, so, um, Brian. So you're saying the history part when we're talking about Black history versus history itself, because it, 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 at least from what I'm hearing, that you're saying in order for us to fully appreciate history, we have to include Black history as well, and not try to separate the two. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and so my question, is, and I guess it's, uh, the problem is they desensitize what African-Americans went through. They mm-hmm. desensitize everything about the black man, the black culture and everything by trying to throw out any and everything to show that we're weak and inferior. So you also got to think of it as this. They do teach black history, but they teach it in a way of it wasn't important. Yeah. You know, if every single day you go to school and they show you how important Christopher Columbus was oh, and, and all these different presidents, Andrew right. Jackson, oh, if man. they do that every single day, they've shown the importance of it. But then one day out of the year, they say, oh, yeah, and Dr. Martin Luther King, he was this, he got killed because he was whatever. <laughs> or, oh, wait a minute, Rosa Parks, she sat on the bus and she caused all these freedom riders to get their bus blown up. Wait <laughs> a minute, time out. You start to think like, oh, that was bad. Oh, wait a minute. Until you get to college, if you take that route, or you decide to pick up books and read, then on your own, you start to realize Egypt is in Africa. Those are black people. Wait a minute. We were slaves, and we had all these people that were created. Wait a minute. Garrett A. Morgan created the stoplight in the first gas mask in blood transfusion. Wait a minute. Where is this coming from? Yeah. Oh, reading. There you go. There you, go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think, and, when I, and this is how I look at our country, they found a way to basically – get in our head to, to take away our mind. That's when people say knowledge is power. It is, but knowledge is power if you use it in the correct way because they not teach it. Like, think about it. All of our schools that are named after powerful black people, I guarantee that we were to research it, they're failing. What's the name? What's the odds of that? But if you were to research oh, St. Thomas Aquinas School, they popping. Yep. <laughs> they got funding. They got new books. They got all the top educational teachers. And even myself, I went to a, a public school it was failing. I had 31 kids in my AP class, and out of them 31 kids, six of us did something with it. The rest was just playing around. Wow. And when I went over to my part, private school, Archbishop Hoban, and guess what? It sat on top of the biggest hill in Akron, Ohio, overlooking all the poor people. Mm. High ironic. Mm. But mm. went there. I'm like, oh, wow, I took AP last year. AP at that was like the lowest. Stand- that was remedial almost. I mean, I was like, wow, I feel kind of dumb. These kids learned this in seventh and eighth grade. Wow. I don't even know what they're talking about. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of it is dealing with they found a way to to take away our school and our knowledge and our educational system, and they're making it solely based off the kid themselves. But you got to think, if you hungry, are you thinking about school? Are you thinking about reading a book? If you got gunshots and violence going on in your neighborhood, are you thinking about trying? Some are thinking about getting out, but then others aren't. But those are the problems they gave us. And when we talk about it, it's, no, we gave you an opportunity. When? At that poor black school with six kids and died and got metal detectors and sniff dogs every day, that school? Yeah. That school that you won't even drive by because you afraid to even drive by that many people that look like that? I had a chance. You know, and that's why I say a lot of it when when Brian talked about the masculinity part of it is provider and being the provider and protector and all that. That's that's great stuff. I think a lot of it needs to realize that in order to fully become the person that you are, you need to expand more than just being what we think is the, the, the status of a man is providing. That was the first thing Brian said, provider. And I'm thinking to myself, I, th- I thought that, too, but I think just being there for my kids and raising them in a way that they don't have to think they have to be the provider. Because 
in this day and age, for instance, if I some something, something wrong with me and I'm married, my wife got to take over, right? Yep, you're right. You know, you're so right. if I give my son, if I give my son, hey, you got to provide at all costs, or or let's let's be double devil's advocate. Women nowadays sometimes they prey on that. They prey on that man that got that provider mentality because they can use them. Mm-hmm. Oh, he he go. He, I'm gonna use his kids against them. So I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many avenues we could talk about in so much, so little time. Mm-hmm. But I think I think a lot of it just breaking down what we think it is to be a man, whether it's two parent home or one, and being able to try to build up the culture in a way that it ain't about what we should be doing. Like, oh, we should be the provider versus no, we should just be better people. We should be a better person because then that turns. I know a lot of good people that are successful. I know a lot of crappy ones that aren't either, but who's to say which one is right? Mm. Wow. Well, see, with that thing, I mean, this is what I would say. This is what I was saying to that is that if if there if if no one needs to have the responsibility of being a provider, then what's the point of having relationships or marriages? You know what I'm saying? Why don't Why don't we just go ahead and start having babies? Just you know. Not stay, just be animalistic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We, in, we in heat, go and have make, make some babies, go and find another. You know what I'm saying? Why not just do that? But I think that, you know, going back to the, like I said, our our, uh, our podcast a couple weeks ago, you know, the I because you said you know who's who's to say what's right and wrong. Me personally, I'm, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a Christian. I believe that God gave us the blueprint of what family is supposed to look like. Now we got a choice. We can either a we can conform ourselves to the Bible and as what the Bible tells us and how we should how we should conduct ourselves, or we can be, we can conform the Bible to what we want it to be and, and mm-hmm. say, like, you know what? And, and I think that that, you know, in a lot of situations beyond just family, but that's what we do. We be like, you know what, we're gonna turn this to golden corral, golden uh, a golden corral <laughs> uh, Christianity where we're gonna take what we want and we're gonna take that and mold it up, and then that's my God right there. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna create a God, or we're gonna create a building of of um of a morality that makes us feel comfortable. We don't want to conform. We don't want to we don't want to bend to to where we have to change our ways. So therefore, you know, I've always believed and feel biblically, the man is supposed to be a protector and provider for his family. He is supposed to be the leader of his family. Okay. So therefore, if if we like him, you know, mm, nah, I don't really, I ain't really feeling that. I think a man should be this, this, and this. We can run with that, but there's going to be a consequence to that. And I feel like the consequence we're seeing right now to this day is we're seeing a whole lot of kids being raised without their father. Mm. But then yet we're wondering why mm. boys are so daggone sensitive, why mm. boys are so so quick to just, you know, give up on stuff because they don't have the confidence. They've never got built up. You know what I'm saying? And is it all is it all in the is it all because they don't have their daddies? No, there's other elements to it too. But as I said, as I said when we was talking with the uh, uh, DuPont, uh, this last time, yes, women can raise kids on their own. Absolutely. The the the, the joke that Chris Rock said that, yeah, you can raise a child by yourself. You know, I can drive a car with my feet, but don't make it a good idea. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I think that there's those responsibilities that we need to have as men of being like, we need to have this mindset of this is my responsibility. This is, this is my God-given responsibility. I need to protect this. I need to I need to take these kids. I need to, with my wife, we need to take these kids and mold them in the way that they're supposed to be molded. But I feel like, again, our society has now got to the point like, nah, I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, because we got like, you know, 
the feministic movement, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I can do just as much as a man can, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's fine and good and dandy. Oh, yeah. But what happens when you go down that path? Mm. When, when, when you choose to work because you want to prove that you are just as capable as a man, you know, in the work field, Who's raising your kids now? Mm, mm, you know what I'm mm. saying? Now we're in that situation. If we step, if we step away from, if we step away from, you know, how the traditional family was, you know, and going back to the whole Black Lives Matter thing, that's exactly what in their statement they said they want to break that nucleus of family, that, yep. that traditional nucleus of family. They want to break that. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, okay, what are we doing now? If Black Lives Matter, what does the statistics say about black, you know, uh, a black family or black ch- or children in general? Being raised without a father. What, what is that? What is this? You know, you know the the president of all that most black people love. Obama spoke about this. He said, like you know, again, that's not a good idea. So again, like I hear what you saying, like you know, we all should just be good people and, and everybody should be providing and all that. But I just coming from a from a Christian perspective, believe that that responsibility lies in the laps of that. Hey guys, hey, that will <laughs> you know what y'all too. Break. Hey, we can't. Hey, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. We over here having a good discussion. I know. I, know. I got something to say. I know. I know. Stallings, I, but I think his kids and his and his um, ex gonna have something to say if this boy come up. I mean, you know, I'm, you know how I say boy, but not don't take hey, offense. Hey, man, you good. We, we got some time, man. We got okay. some time. Okay. Okay. Hey, it's been a while since I heard two. Okay, so then shut up. So then shut up, Frank. So okay, so okay. And and, and, and let me rephrase right what I was saying. What, what I'm saying is, Brian, is keep the Christian traditional family alive. It's just the more sort of fact that now in today's in age, referring back to what Frank's original question was about if you have two parents that's working so much and, and never around and it's pretty much the system's raising our kid, the daycare is raising our kid. So if we keep that traditional mindset where the woman has to be in home taking care of the family, the kids, et cetera, et cetera. It's to the point now where financially sometimes it's a burden. And sometimes men don't like to talk about their problems and we form mental health issues that's, you know, a more underlying problem to our issues. And if I kept that traditional mindset, if I'm the man, I'm the provider, my wife is the the caretaker the, the, for the kids, the home, et cetera. And then I start forming issues inside of me that leads to other issues like drinking, smoking, finding some other devious behaviors to get into. And then simply that can then return into affecting the family itself. So my thing is, in this day and age, being a sole provider is great if you can, but most of us can't. So if we're raising our men to be sole providers and to be the protectors mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, and, and, and being able to say, hey, when times get hard, I'm going to bear the weight of the world on my shoulders. What about the weight of the world from all the other stuff that they got to go through that we don't even address? I, I, I never said sole provider. I never said sole provider. You said traditional. Said, yeah, to traditionally be being a provider. In other words, I, I had a fundamental problem with a man who's living with a woman and ain't doing nothing. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with the man. Me too. I, have, I have a problem with the grown man living with his mom. You know, I have Me a too. problem. Like, mm-hmm. like, like there, there has to be some some sense of of pride within yourself to being like, you know what? What I'm not going to do is is sit here and mooch off this woman right here. I'm not going to sit here as a man knowing I got through uh, three or four kids over here uh, a couple blocks down the street and not be over here and at least making sure they're taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Makes like, sense. That's what yep. I'm, talking about. I'm not saying that he has to be the sole provider because again, if a woman wants to wants to be a stay at home mom and she wants to run a little side business while she's doing it, 
by all means, go for it. But I'm saying somebody needs to also take the responsibility. Like, you know what? Somebody got to raise these kids. We can't get stole these kids into daycares and, and expect them to raise our kids and then think that everything's going to be smooth and okay. Okay, so here go question for you, Brian. Here go question. So would you be okay with if your woman made six figures and you made lower 40s or 50,000 and she told came to you and said, hey, I make more. I'm okay with that. I want you to be home with the kids. You can still keep your business or whatever it is, but I want you to be able to financially, since I'm the financial, like, I know people that make, their wives make 140,000, they make about 40, and the wife will just like, I'm not trying to be funny, but I can carry us with this, and your little bit can just be to maintain the house, do what you got to do, but I don't want to pay for daycare because daycare is 2000 a month. So can you just stay home with the kids because my job makes more than yours and it makes more sense? I live. That I mean, situation. I, that's what I mean. I think, I, think you know, I, no, I, got, I got what you're saying. I think a lot of times we look at the word providing as being just simply a monetary financial thing. Yeah. You know, like providing can also be like, how else can I what, what else can I provide for my child to grow up into the kid that they're supposed to be? So in, so in that sense, like, yeah, both kids, you know, both parents can provide for a kid. So yeah, if my if my woman was like making that much money, that would be a conversation that her and I would need to ha- have in terms of how we want to make this work. Because again, I still feel that like somebody needs to take some type of initiative. Maybe 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 like, you know, you know, you know, my mama or you know her mama or you know, somebody will, can raise the kids or whatever while we can or you know say I it ain't beyond me to be like, you know what? I'll stay home. I'll stay home. If you making that much money, you know what I'm saying? I'll stay home. You know, but nonetheless, my point is, is that I feel like we have this mindset. And I feel like one of the reasons why a lot of men don't go and, and not involving themselves with their with their kids is because they're like, well, mama, hey, if they mama got it. She got it figured out. Well, you know, look, look, she good. Or she don't need me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's like, no, that should that should bother you. Something in there should be bothering you being like, I need to be out here for my kids. Yep. You know what I'm saying? In some way, short uh, fashion, like, oh, like yeah. we talked about before, like, you know, just a little bit. I mean, just being physically present helps. Being there financially, of course, helps. You know, making a phone call, text message, being at school events, stuff like that helps. And there, in that sense, you are providing for your child. You're providing the emotional need. You're providing spiritual needs. You know, if you can provide, you know, uh, uh, financial needs, you know. So, so no, I see what you're saying, but I'm just, and I think that that, that, kind of goes by each individual case, you know, each individual family of how you want to do it. Cause yeah, if, if you, if the, if you know, your girl is making six figures and you making, you know, 50,000 a year, then it's like, do you really think that she should give up her job? Or you, you might have people say like, you know what? She makes six figures, but she hates her job. She would much rather be at home with her kids. You know what I'm saying? So each individual situation is different, you know, and I can't, I can't speak for everybody saying like, this is how it should look. No, no. But what I'm referring to is when people are taught masculinity and they taught as a man and even yourself, even subconsciously, if you have to go in depth about it, it's not known to the world then because it's subconsciously you, you thinking you know what you mean by when you say provider. So when somebody say, great, what makes you a man? First thing I say is provider. What do you mean by provider? Financially. So we already attach that monetary value to what it is to be a man. So I think when you when we when I hear you say that was only men, one aspect, that was only one piece of it. Because I said finding, I said provider and being there for for support. protector, for protector. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so yes. it's, it's more than just that. I know, but but don't you know what I mean? Like if I say something like 
like, hey, what do you think it is to be a man? And you say provider and protector. Subconsciously, you know that you mean there's more than just that surface value put to it. You know, it's more to it than just money. So what I'm saying is you take other dudes, because the one thing you said in your statement, you said, hey, dudes think because they can't provide financially that there's not other ways they can provide. And my that's my that's the point I'm getting at. There's things that they could be doing, but they don't look at it that way because they weren't taught that. Because, see, if they did have a dad around, their dad was just providing financially. I pay my child support. I ain't got to be there. Because the state sanctions the child support. So in their mind, they're thinking the only way I'm able and capable to provide is if I pay my $200 a month. The state don't let me see my kids unless she says it's okay. So all I'm good for as a dad is just providing. Mm. Not knowing that prov- that providing is more than just a, a monetary value. And that's why, it's like, when you were talking, the one thing you said was some dudes live right down the street or their kids right down the street, and they say, oh, they mama got it. I ain't got to be there. It's because they weren't taught that. They weren't taught that. That's why it's important that we teach ourselves to be more than just a provider and protector and not go with the status quo. Because if you look at a traditional family, and that will, that's what was used, a traditional family was men provide, take care of the financial needs. And then the women took care of the household and the children. Now with this progressive movement, it's more of, like you said, the women, like I can do just as much as a man, which they can to each his own. They can. But the question that someone posed is, could a man do what a woman does in terms of taking care of his kids, working and doing like the whole nine of what they do, you know? And in my opinion, yeah, if we raise our kids to believe they can, but if we raise our kids to believe you're a man, you can't do nothing a woman can do, you can't take care of your kids, but just financially provide, I think we're failing. Because, like I said, if I talk to my dad as crappy as the dad he is, I say, what makes you a man? I'll provide. No, you don't. <laughs> like, my dad ain't provide for me ever. But to most men, that's what they believe is money. Like, when, like for instance, if you ask a dude, uh, we'll get you all the pretty girls. Money. Mm. He's not going to say my education, the way I dress. No, it's money. If you see a dude with a flashing a lot of money and stuff, because that's what we're teaching our young man, they're going to, women look at that as, oh, he could take care of me. We all been there, done that. We all seen those kind of women. We all see that's what it looks like. What I'm saying is, mm-hmm. how can we get that to not be what us as men who've been there, done that, believe because if i believe the only thing i can teach my son is to provide for a woman then he, he he's susceptible to get taken advantage of so this so this is this is the thing like you know and i i don't know if that was a rhetorical question or, or not but like I'll, I'll say i'll say this so i got five, three boys mm-hmm. and raising my boys my game plan and raising them is is for them to understand that you and a woman, y'all are y'all 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 have y'all are just as important than the other. No, like a man is not more important than a woman. Like understand that. So don't mm-hmm. don't, don't, look, don't look at women as like as being subservient to you. Understand that. But on the flip side, you're not equal either. Meaning that you don't have the capabilities that she can do, and she doesn't have some capabilities that you can do. Therefore, you're not mm-hmm. equal. You know what I'm saying? So, so when that, so when I say that is, is that I'm going to teach them to have a sense of pride in protecting and providing in multifaceted ways uh, for your family. Okay, and so 
if the moment comes, and that's going, that's my responsibility as a father, is to teach them, is to teach them the ropes of how relationships work, how the world works, how you know education works. If they want to be Division One athletes, how that works. If they want to be entrepreneurs, that's my responsibility to pour into them to teach them all these things. So when you're saying, when you're asking, you know, how can we, you know, break the stigma of thinking that providing is simply a monetary thing. I think that falls on daddy to do so. So if daddy doesn't know that, you know, so if there's a father who doesn't know that and think that all providing is, is just making sure that I'm buying him Jordans, you know, every other week and, you know, I'll give him a you know, fly, you know, uh, outfit to go with it, you know, every week and I did my part, mm-hmm. then, you know, there has to be a, a reconstructing of understanding and education. So just like how we were talking about with the black national anthem and like, you know, how we culturally don't even, you know, as black folks and white folks don't even know what it was or how, how mm-hmm. what the words are. Like, again, it falls back to education because I feel we have drifted, you know, within the, with, I will speak only for the black community. I feel like we have drifted away from the family nucleus and dad being a, an extremely important part. Why? Because we have had for a very long time, several decades now to where mama is the is the patriarch and the, uh, and the, uh, Matriarch. Uh, and the, the leader of the house for a lot of family, I think it's like it's like seventy some percent now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so like so so like so it's like you know it's hard for us now to even fathom the idea of a daddy even being in the picture for some people. So I so I know I'm I'm not I'm not you know my upbringing is not common. Frank's upbringing is not common. You know, so like that's why like I feel like us three is an interesting conversation because you bring the perspective that I'm not familiar with. You know what I'm saying? So I see what you're saying, the way, the way you presented it to me. I see what you're saying. Like, Brian, your way is not how most men see things as, as far mm-hmm. as we're so I, So I get that. And I, th- I just think the way, the only way we can fix that is re-educating ourselves of what family is. What is the role of a mother? What is the role of a father? What is the role of them together in terms of how to raise their children? Yeah, I appreciate that because that's exactly what I was getting at. Because what I was raised with with my mother was, as a man, it's okay for you to be rough and tough, but it also got to be a side of you that's understanding of, you know, the sensitive side, you know. But it's also one of those things where my mom was tough herself. So I was fortunate to have a tough mom that, whether it was protecting, whether it was physically, mentally, whether it was providing, being a sole provider, I've seen all that in a woman. So I understand how intimidating it could be for a man to see a woman taking care of her business and be like, well, I don't want to be around, you know? So I, I, and I appreciate that because the, I'm doing the same thing with my kids in terms of I'm teaching them how to live within the world that once they understand what it has to offer, that it don't give two craps about them. Yep. So I'm trying to teach them that you don't need to seek outside approval from the homies on the street, from whoever that person is. No, you're going to have enough love and respect and care and everything that you need coming from me, your father, as well as from your mother. If you decide to seek outside temptation, I can't control that. Right. I'll try my best to keep you away from it, but I'm not going to lock you in a cage in doing so, exactly. you know? And I feel like the best thing we can do, just like you said, Brian, is you want to educate your young men, all three of them. This is how it is to be a man. This is how it is to do X, Y, and Z. This is how you get there, whether it's business entrepreneurship, whether it's D1 athlete, whether it's just simply being an athlete, you go give them the tools they need. And I think that's what's lacking in our community is the tools to the young men, because I think the mothers got so wore out from, 
you know, they working, yeah. <laughs> you know, and daddies, like you said, they're not there every now and then, but even when they around it, want to go play catch. Oh, actually I got to go, yeah. you know, and it's kind of like the one and anybody can watch it was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when his dad came back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the most heartfelt thing because my daddy did that to me, you mm-hmm. know, where he came and was like, I'm going to come pick you up to go to Cedar Point tomorrow. I'm going to be there and I'm all excited. I got my little bag and I tell I, I tell people this not to, you know, get a reaction, but just I remember that vividly as a six year old. Mm-hmm. I remember because it hurt. So when I look at that film where his dad walked out of his life and Uncle Phil was like, if you walk out of life, just walk out for good. Don't come back. I think that's what's hurting our young men is they're the daddies that are in and out dads. Oh, me and your mom talking. Okay, I'll take care of you for a couple of days. Oh, we beefing? I'm out. No, we have to find a way to break that. that, that. I mean, that is, that's big. Yeah. Like if I saw my dad in and out of my life as bad as he was, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be talking to y'all. I wouldn't be college educated. Right. There's a slight chance I could. Right. But I just know that with my with Greg, he was the type of dad that would have been like, "Hun, take a puff of this. Take a drink of this. Yeah. Uh, come run the streets with me." Because mm. and only how I know that he did that to my older brother. <laughs> he turned my older brother into a career criminal just like him, and that's no fault to him because that's who he is. So I can't blame my dad for being who he is. You know, yeah, I did. Now, Greg, do you know? Do you, did your dad have have his his father in his life? Yep, he did. Yep. Yeah. And it was the craziest thing ever. And, you know, I talked to my grandma Sandy, and she was married to him and stuff. And I was like, "How did that go wrong?" She was like, "Honestly, some people just they start off with a problem and they never address it, they never fix it, and instead of." You know, like I said, the mental health part of it, if you find a way to cope with alcohol at 14, 15, and you're doing it behind your parents' back because they're working, you you may not ever know. You know, if I go to school and, slip, and skip school and go smoke underneath the bridge, only how you're going to know if I get caught. But if you never get caught, that habit forms and forms and forms until where 40 years later, my daddy's still doing it. Hey, guys. And, and I, I want, hey, you know what? Seriously, we're at hour 10. This is this is this is money right here, literally. And um, we got to close it up though. But we got to do this again. This this is good. I mean, this is good shit. I think for the first time, Brian, you can go ahead and tell the critics we finally got something we needed. We got somebody that we don't agree. Seriously, y'all, there's some, there's some disagreement, and I love that. But there's a mutual disagreement with respect. You know what I'm saying, y'all, y'all, y'all. You're drawing the picture to give him your perspective of what you think the reason why. And I respect that. But knowing both you guys, y'all both are good fathers. Y'all both are damn good no good question. Fathers. I know we all are good fathers. Yeah, but, we, hey, we wouldn't have it no other way. But here's the thing, though. I respect you guys. And I, like I told a lot of people, I only surround myself with individuals that I can, I want to be like or I want to take um, qualities from and form my own um, good side, you know, because I'm still a work in progress. And when I made a statement on Facebook last week, um, when you need help, when you look into former army, you look to your family, you look to your blood, you look to your closest friends, you look to your allies. You guys are my best friends. You know what I'm saying? Even though we probably don't talk every day, I respect you guys. I respect Brian. I respect Greg. You know, we um, we are black men, and it doesn't matter if you're white or not, but you guys, I can relate to y'all. You know, I, I, can, I can see it. I can feel it. And I want to thank you guys because I really do respect you too as fathers. And I'm proud of you guys, you know, and we got to keep this going. This is, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Brian, I know you got to go get the kids. Um, 
Anything you want to finish up saying before we go ahead and sign off? Hey man, just keep keep the keep the platform open, man. Let um, I, I encourage anybody that got they got their own, you know, two cents they want to add to it. You know, uh, drop a comment on on your website, uh, on your Facebook page, rather. Um, you know, we, we can address it tomorrow. Next, you know, I mean, I, I would love for it just to be more, you know, outside of just Greg and I. Yeah. Because everybody got, you know, got their own perspective about, you know, on how this all is. So I would love to hear what other people got to say about it. Oh, yeah. Follow our Facebook page because we're going to be on Zoom from now on. So I'm kind of digging this right here, especially this episode. Uh, we're going to be on Zoom. I'm posting on Facebook. Um, just hop in. I see people starting to, well, seniors out there, but I can't, I told her I ain't going to introduce her to tomorrow. But, um, yeah, drop in, um, come and I'll let you in the room, listen, and um, give your input. Um, Greg, we're going to do this again? Yeah, I love doing this, and like I said, I love you guys, and I tell people I love you guys because y'all my brothers, man, and um, I'm a talker with a lot to say, and I think <laughs> we all got a lot to say, so Good make dude. it happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got Greg McMullen from Lincoln, Nebraska, Sunday with Stallings. Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Frank Smith. I'm out here on the West Coast in Arizona. I appreciate you guys today. You guys have a nice, nice, beautiful Sunday. Relax. Enjoy the family. We love you guys. Doesn't matter your social, economical skills, your politics, your religion, your race. We love you all. Good luck in life. Have a good weekend. We love you. Out.